Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. Have we gotten to this point where people wake up every morning looking for something to be offended about? I live in this place called the real world, and I understand what is going to happen. Her story is, I was trying to scare him away. At the same time, she shot him point blank in the face. Okay, that's not exactly a warning shot. The Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. Coming up next, Squirrel. And now, WTMJ's Scott Warris. Johnny Depp says the last straw in his marriage to Amber Heard was when he found feces in the bed. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm I'm a child. You know that. Johnny Depp said in a London court on Friday that he was left embittered by ex-wife Amber Heard's claims that he abused her. This was not a good marriage. He, uh, he said, which turned him from Cinderella to Quasimodo in the public eye. I'll admit, I have not been following, maybe as closely as some of you, I have not been following the Johnny Depp, Amber Heard, back and forth. If you would have asked me who Johnny Depp's ex-wife was, I would not have even been able to tell you that it's Amber Heard. He also said the couple's tempestuous marriage broke down for good. Here here was the last straw. <sighs> couple's tempestuous marriage broke down for good after an incident in which he accused his wife, then wife, or one of her friends of defecating in the couple's bed. <laughs> he said, I thought that was an oddly fitting end to the relationship. Hmm. He is, uh, gave his fourth day of evidence in his libel case again against a British tabloid newspaper that accused him of physically abusing Heard. The Hollywood star is suing newsgroup newspapers, the publisher of The Sun, and the paper's executive editor over an, uh, an article in 2018 that called him a, quote, wife beater. It wasn't a good relationship, whether the claims were true or not, clearly. Hmm. Depp has described a volatile relationship with Heard that descended into screaming matches which sometimes turned physical, but he has strongly denied hitting her and accused her of compiling a dossier of fake claim. There's the word dossier again. Man. (laughs) I love that word. Ah, Wow. Depp said one of the triggers for the couple's separation came when a cleaner found feces in the bed at their L.A. penthouse the morning after his wife's birthday party. Heard claims the couple fought after the party. Hmm. Depp threw a Magnum wine bottle at her. He denies it. Boy, this is true love, isn't it? Heard blamed one of the couple's Yorkshire Terriers for the defecation incident, but Depp was convinced a person had done it. Wait a minute now. I'm no expert. I'm no CSI (laughs) investigator. But that's not Yorkshire Terrier poo. He said it was not left by a three or four pound dog. I was convinced that it was either Ms. Hurd herself or one of her cohorts involved in leaving human feces on the bed. He said he initially laughed at the absurd 
incident with one text refer- message referring to Amber Turd. But soon after, he said, he realized that the marriage could not be saved. Really? You don't think so? You don't? Th- you think that up until then, we could still do this? And then, you know what? When I find that in the, in the marriage bed, that's when Johnny Depp thought, you know what? This marriage may be on the point of no return. This may be beyond any possible salvaging. Hmm, you think? <laughs> Would Jeff have started the show with that story? Probably not. Probably not. I am Scott Warris. I'm with you till 3 o'clock. Jordan Gazarowski continuing his marathon protosorial shift as he is sitting in for Kyle Paczynski. And your calls, your texts as well at 855-616-1620, Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. Two o'clock, we'll have, I know Jeff usually on Friday's final hour spends time in the pop culture corner because he has all copyright, um, well, copyrights, I should say. He has he has all those um, uh, legal, you know, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to get on his bad side. He is a He is an attorney. You don't want to infringe on any copyright rules in place for Pop Culture Corner, any trademark infringement. That's the last thing I want to do. So we leave Pop Culture Corner for Jeff. We will do, and this has not been trademarked, a little Friday frivolity. I want you to start thinking now. We'll do this after the 2 o'clock news. Start thinking now. But what is that one television show, that program, that you may be a little uh, sheepish to admit you watch? Or maybe just flat out embarrassed. But because we're friends, because we're all family, we're going to talk about it after 2 o'clock. Because I have a couple on my list. I watched one of them late last night, and I can't not watch it. It's just, uh, it's got me. It's got me. So we'll do that after 2 o'clock. Before then, I have some questions. I really do. You know, one of the things that I value when, when... when we're together, whether it's here, whether it's on the night show, Saturday show, whatever, is the opportunity for for me to learn from you. Um, there are there are professions out there that allow you a certain knowledge base that I just don't have, and certainly when it comes to maybe opinions and matters of the day, I want to understand a little bit better, a little bit more, as it were, and so I have some questions. And the first one pertains to masks. And I know, I know, it's, oh, we're going to talk about masks again. Here, I, I do have a question that I want to ask regarding the wearing of masks, or more specifically, the, the non-wearing of masks. And for that, I, I would like to, for just a couple of moments here, I, I would like to ask and, and talk with a couple of you who are non-mask wearers. Whether you are strong anti-mask, no way, no how, I'm not wearing one. Whether you're indifferent on the matter, and yeah, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. 855-616-1620. Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Because in talking with some folks earlier this week, I, I realized that there's a question that I need answered from People who feel that masks, for one reason or another, are just not going to be on my face. They're not. And I'm curious to know if or what would it take for you to wear one? 
Now, I, I'm, I'm serious on this. Because there, and you may say, well, there's nothing, Scott. There's nothing that it will ever take for, for me to wear one. Because people, however you may feel about this, it is certainly certainly the case that for many folks, there would be a point at where they, they wear one. Would it be an ordinance in your city? Would it be a statewide mandate? And, and look, I'm not debating whether or not that's ever going to happen, whether it ever could happen legally or otherwise. But my question to you at 855-616-1620 is, what would it take for you to wear one? Would it take you getting sick? And again, not saying maybe seriously, would it take knowing someone who has gotten ill from the virus to wear one? Because I, there, there really is something to the to the psychology of wearing a mask that, well, if I myself haven't been sick, I don't know anybody who's been sick. Certainly don't know anybody in my circle, as it were, that has died from this. If we cannot relate to the virus on a very personal level, it is naturally difficult to get our minds to the place and to the point where I feel obligated to wear a mask, right? The closer it hits to home, the more deeply I feel on a topic, on a subject, and specifically to the wearing of a mask. So 855-616-1620, this is where I'd like to start, because I'm looking to learn and understand. I'm a mask wearer. I say that up front. I talk about that all the time. I am a mask wearer. Um, There is nothing detrimental that comes from wearing the mask. And again, I have touted the we over me mindset all along. And while I myself have not been sick, um, I, I know no one in my immediate circle of friends and family that have, thank goodness, let alone died from it. I feel that there is a sense of responsibility to one another. And that's what motivates me and drives me. I wear a mask to keep you safe, whoever you may be, perfect strangers. You wear a mask to make uh, to, to, to keep me safe. That has been my overriding mindset really from the get-go on this. But for those of you who don't, like I, I genuinely want to understand, is there anything? Is there anything? Is there anything that could happen? Somebody would say something. Is it a law? Is it you yourself maybe testing positive? Would that be your woe moment? That's one way of thinking of it. What, what would be your woe moment that would lead you to say, okay, you know what? I've been anti-mask or I have been agnostic on it or just indifferent rather. I've been indifferent on masks to this point. But if XYZ happens, I'm masking up. 855-616-1620, Academic Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Your calls and your texts on a discussion regarding masks and helping me understand when we come back. Scott Warris, in for Jeff. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. 
again, looking for a little bit more than just, I won't wear one, I won't wear one, I'm never going to wear one. But I, I want to understand if there is anything that would lead you to say, yeah, you know what, I I would. I would consider doing that. Let's start in Wauwatosa. Let's talk to Bob. Hey, Bob, good afternoon. Hey, it is a good afternoon. Um, I wear a mask where it's required or mm-hmm. requested, but not elsewhere. There is no evidence-based research that shows wearing a mask within the general population cuts down the incidence of transmission of any disease. Within a hospital setting, yes. But they take off their masks and replace them 20 to 30 times a day. Um, to me, it's just a talisman or a good luck thing, you know, like we wear around your neck or maybe garlic to keep away vampires. It's It looks good. It makes you feel good. It probably has absolutely no effect. So what would you say to, you know, the, the, the CDC, doctors, the scientists who, who, who recommend wearing it? They have a belief that it may reduce it, but there's no evidence on that. I mean, they, they, there's no published studies. Okay, but it's sure. as simple as that. So you would need a published study, a, a, a hard and fast look at this document, for lack of a better word. Look at this document. Look at this study, Bob. And because you wear a mask, here are the hard and fast numbers. And and if if that were presented to you, that's what would get you to maybe wear one all the time, rather than just if you go somewhere where it's mandated. I would wear it far more frequently if that were the case. Um, again, let the research prove it. Um, just, just because a health, you know, a health official or a physician may be an expert in some areas, but that does not mean that they have carte blanche for everything. Their area of expertise is often narrow. Um, with, it, because if, if masks truly worked, why haven't we been wearing them for previous influenza epidemics? So at best, let's, let's just take it. If at best a mask helps to save a life, and at worst it's, it's not causing any you know harm, Maybe you made fun of for wearing it. Uh, you know, people tell you not to wear one. You can, I mean, if 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 the pros outweigh the cons, why not just do it? Well, I mean, first of all, it may make things more dangerous if you keep touching it all the time and touching other things. You take it on and off. You touch other things. You may spread it that way, or it may give you a false sense of security. I avoid people in nursing homes. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I mean. I, uh, the the you, you you say that you you weigh something you give you give something up too you give up a degree of your autonomy and freedom for something that may have no effect. Thank you, Bob. I appreciate it. That that is something that is also being echoed on the text line as well. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. People saying, look, if if there was a research numbers. Science, if there was proof, give me proof that because I wear a mask, give me a study that says a mask will lead to a decrease in the numbers. That's what it will take for some. Back in a moment.
There is something at play that has, when it comes to mask wearing, I think put people eh, ill at ease or at least something early on that sowed a certain degree of, well, doubt. And I'm going to address that when we come back. You know, one question that I would ask um, our first caller and others who have said there's no data, there's no, there's no research. Have you, have you looked? Have you sought it out? I think one, one thing that we have done uh, uh, poorly as a society, and I think it's just kind of how we're wired, is we, we sit back and we wait to be told things, we wait to be presented with information, and when you do that, you are at the mercy of those who present you with the information. So, I mean, I, I think because there there is information out there. I'm looking at uh, an article here from the University of California, San Francisco, put out uh, just uh, well, less, than a, less than a month ago, just a couple of weeks ago, actually. And there are... Um, there are studies. There is research out there as it pertains to a mask helping to spread, uh, helping to prevent uh, the spread of COVID-19. So there is there there as you can imagine, there is data and information out there. Um, again, whatever you think of the CDC, whatever you think of the World Health Organization, whatever you think of all these bodies they would not advise, suggest, strongly urge <laughs> certain guidelines without the scientific, you know, background, things like that. Back to the phones real quickly here. Let's go to Port Washington. Oh, God bless you, Rob. God bless you. <laughs> God bless you. Actually, that, was, that was my wife. I, oh. she, I just walked in, the, walked in the house and she sneezed. I'm like, oh, great. You, now I got to go wear a mask. She, she, she could not have timed that any better. That was, I've never, I've I know, never, right? I've right? never heard that happen on the radio before. I say, hello, Rob, and we get a sneeze out of you. <laughs> go ahead, man. What's no, your comment? I mean, <laughs> I mean your, your previous caller was, hit a lot of the buttons that I hit. I mean, I have to wear one because my my work requires a mask to be worn in certain areas of my of my job. Right. If you're not in these areas, you don't wear one. Because of that, I don't go to these certain areas. Mm-hmm. To me, it's a it's an issue. I don't like breathing in my own air. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just don't like that. Studies have shown that you breathing in harmful stuff when you breathe out. That's why you breathe out. If I have to go somewhere that requires me to have a mask, I'm going to think twice about going. I don't go to Menards. Mm -hmm. I don't go to Costco. Um, We were just up in Door County last weekend. Some of the places required you to have a mask. Well, okay, I went in there and I came right out. Mm -hmm. You know? Sure. right? And and that, and I think just like people um, are choosing to go places that mandate masks and have guidelines there are people that say no i'm not going to to frequent and that's certainly right. the choice uh, that you have uh thanks for the call rob and again god bless you sure. to you and your wife for that matter <laughs> all right it's it's interesting so the um uh, university of california san francisco um, like I would, I would encourage, I would encourage you guys, if you're looking for information out there, just, you know, do a little digging, 
right? What evidence do we have that wearing a mask is effective in preventing COVID-19? There are several strands of evidence to support the efficacy of masks. One category of evidence comes from lab studies of respiratory droplets and the ability of various masks to block them. An experiment using high-speed video found that hundreds of droplets ranging from 20 to 500 micrometers were generated when saying a simple phrase, but that nearly all these droplets were blocked when the mouth was covered by a damp washcloth. Another study of people who had influenza or the common cold found that wearing a surgical mask significantly reduced the amount of these respiratory viruses emitted in droplets and aerosols. But the strongest evidence in favor of masks comes from the studies of real-world scenarios. Uh, The most important thing are the uh, epidemiologic data. Because it would be unethical to assign people to not wear a mask during a pandemic, the uh, epidemiological evidence has come from so-called experiments of nature. A recent study published in Health Affairs compared the COVID-19 growth rate before and after mask mandates in 15 states and District of Columbia. It found that mask mandates led to a slowdown in daily COVID-19 growth rate, which became more apparent over time. The first five days after a mandate, the daily growth rate slowed by almost 1% compared to the five days prior to the mandate. At three weeks, the daily growth rate had slowed by two percentage points. Another study looked at coronavirus deaths across almost 200 countries, found that those with cultural norms or government policies favoring mask wearing had lower death rates. So there is science out there. There, there is studies. Or there, I'm sorry, there are studies. Is studies. There are studies that do support the wearing of masks. Nevertheless, as I'm doing this as a practice in educating myself, studies, science, is something that is obviously on the mind of many of you. Going back to my original question, what would make you wear a mask all the time? And maybe not if you're in your home or in your car by yourself, but nevertheless, And I understand that I'm hearing from a couple calls and some of you, many of you on the text line saying data, research, science, which does exist. It does. But that is one explanation. and I appreciate that. There are other explanations out there, um, and I'd I'd love to hear them. Oconomowoc, it's Jim. Hi, Jim. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Let me get you off. Jeff, let me get you off speaker. Okay. Oh, you there? Good. I am. Okay. So is Scott. Go Define ahead, buddy. Define the mask. Define the mask. What kind of mask? A face covering. I'll, I'll just say, I'm sorry, a, a face and nose covering. Okay. There are three known masks to me. Number one is the N95. Mm-hmm. The N95 has one function. That is to filter the inbound air. The exhale is not filtered. So a person wearing an N95 in a crowd who happens to have the COVID is spreading it. Okay. What What, what is okay, that base? Hang on, Jim, Jim, hold on a sec. Because the N95 is what's used in hospitals and clinics and, and whatnot. So you're, okay. I don't think so. What's you don't think so? Well, look up the definition. Look up okay. the definition of the N95 All right, Jim, and its function. Okay. What are the other two type of masks, Jim? What else you got? The other type of the other other type of mask is a surgical mask. Mm-hmm. Its protect its protection is exhale. It is designed 
to keep the patients free from doctor and nurse germs. Therefore, it does nothing on the inhale. So what is your and point? Half, what, what is your overall point, point here, Jim? You, you, you just don't believe in masks to begin with, or what? At all. Totally. There isn't one that does the job. Period. You just don't... So the only one that does the job is the N95 because it protects the wearer from the inbound. That is the only one that does the job. But while wearing it, if he has it, he is spreading. So what do you say to the head of the CDC, Tony Fauci, all those people who are recommending face... You're not buying it. Not buying it. Not buying it at all. Why Why wasn't it recommended? Why weren't masks recommended during the influenza outbreak? So you don't buy... any other... So you don't... All right, right, hang on, Jim. So what is it... you, You don't trust them? Why wouldn't you believe them? Why wouldn't you think they have our best interests? Like, let's say Fauci. Put a face to the name. Because... Um, Yeah. Because the definition of the purpose of the mask goes against all the train. They want you to wear a mask. What mask should I wear? Nobody says this is the mask you should wear. They say wear a mask. So sister-in-laws and aunts and uncles go out and make homemade masks. All they do is collect your exhale so you can rebreathe whatever your body wanted to get rid of. Well, but isn't the concept of wearing a mask, a face covering, I wear it to protect you, you wear it to protect me? Doesn't that still get accomplished in that? We just, got, we, we, we just went through it again. What mask are you wearing? Tell me what mask you're wearing. A face covering. I mean, I... No, you're, no, you're, sugar, you're sugarcoating. You're not no. defining it. Masks have okay. purpose. They have a function. If you're not defining the function of your mask, you're drinking the Kool-Aid. There's nothing that would get you to wear a mask because you nothing, don't... Nothing, not at all. Nothing. Not, 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 there, there, the only mask I would wear would be the N95. That's oh, okay. the only one I'd put on. Okay. Because that, that is an inbound protection. Gotcha. Thank you, Jim. Appreciate it. All right. Yeah. 855-616-1620. Just a couple final comments. I, I do look. I, I we can disagree on the wearing of the masks, and that, that's all fine and good. I, I just I'm curious to to get into the minds of those of you who who are anti-mask, or at least when given the option, will not wear uh, the mask. Um, certainly, some certain scientific beliefs m- motivate some not to. There are obviously the the other. I'm getting plenty of texts, and you're a sheep, and things like that. And it, that is just a, it is silliness. Um, but there is a a psychological social experiment afoot, and um, we're we're learning how people think in that respect. I want to share this quote. This is from someone um, who recently lost a relative to coronavirus. And I think in what he says about mask wearing is is well put. He says, at worst, at worst, wearing a mask and social distancing does nothing. At best, it helps save lives. While at worst, making fun of people wearing a mask and not wearing a mask yourself and telling people not to wear a mask can help spread this disease and make things worse. And at best, 
If you're doing that and belittling people and calling them ignorant for wearing masks, at best you're making fun of people who are trying to do what they think is best for their community. See, I, I think that last part right there, that's really at the heart of it for me, and I think it's at the heart of it for a lot of people. And to wear the mask is to, in essence, say, I'm looking out for you. And you're wearing the mask says, I'm looking out for you, and so on and so forth. And there's value in that. There is. The idea that I'm not going to wear one because I don't have to. I'm not going to wear one because I'm a sheep if I do. I'm not going to wear one because you can't tell me what to do, what to wear. Okay. But if that is the be-all, end-all argument, I would simply say, okay, I get that. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm not a big fan of being told what to do, okay? I'm not a big fan of having uh, big brothers say, do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. I, I don't like that. I like my independence, and that's why, you know, I independently choose to to wear a mask, a face covering, however you want to define it, out of just that care for other humans out there, for my fellow man, right? Uh, a few of you have also made this point, and I think it's a valid point. Early on, early on, th- there was conflicting comments, Right? I mean, we had the Surgeon General at one point say, don't wear a mask. This is in the first weeks, month or so, whatever it was of, of the pandemic. So there, there, were, there were conflicting voices. The CDC, the World Health Organization, uh, National Institute of Health. All these, all these voices, all these experts were saying, don't do this, don't do that. And uh, Tom, Dr. Thomas Frieden, Frieden? former director of the CDC. He was the New York City Health Commissioner at one point. He was doing a Q&A on Fox News recently. And he speaks to this point about what was said then as opposed to what is being said now and how do we, as the public, trying to do what's best, How do we absorb that information from the experts, from the people wearing bow ties, as I like to say? And he says, the future is in our hands. Although it's crucial to quickly develop a safe and effective vaccine, we cannot cut any corners on safety. To build the public's confidence, scientists need to be able to communicate openly and transparently about about what we know as we know it. Here's the key phrase. When we learn new information and change our tactics, talking about the scientific community, it often shows that we are making progress, not that we've made a mistake. The most important thing I can share from 30 years of fighting epidemics may be this. The best programs use real-time data to improve their responses and keep ahead of the viral enemy. To make progress, we need to focus on the most meaningful metrics a couple things about what he says here the communication element scientists need to be able to communicate openly and transparently about what we know as we know it and isn't that isn't that huge in everything and never more so during this pandemic but the point he makes about 
when we learn new information and change our tactics, it shows we're making progress, not that we've made a mistake. And I think that, for example, speaks to those initial reports, those initial recommendations, those initial comments from all those important people when it comes to masks. Initially, they said no as they were learning what this is, whether some said it out of a fear that a rush to go out and flood the market with mask purchases would perhaps take them away from hospitals and healthcare workers when we didn't know how our hospital and healthcare system would be able to handle it, handle the, the pandemic. Um, that may have played a role. But in this case, and I think in a lot of cases, this is a reminder, uh, Thomas Frieden, reminding us that even the smartest people that are working on this, and, and they are, even they are learning day by day. This is a new strain. This is a new type of virus. And so when we normally go to the scientific community and the doctors and the medical community, oftentimes we're looking for, okay, doc, Tell us straight, what do you know? Give us the whole encyclopedia, background information, the prognosis, the vax. Give us everything. Give us the volumes of knowledge you can present us on XYZ disease. And we can't. They can't in this situation. And we as an American society should not be viewing changing suggestions, changing policy, seemingly contrary advice, we should not view that as they're flip-flopping now. Or, man, how can we trust them? They're wrong again. It may be frustrating, but we have to recognize that isn't, that isn't because there has been a mistake made. It's because they're learning in real time. This virus has the medical community learning in real time new information coming in, which means the tactics have to change, which means progress is being made, not that they've made a mistake. That's the view to take as we absorb the information coming from the medical community and from the scientific community. View what seems like contrary information as progress, not as, oh, they screwed up, they made a mistake. I think that's really that's really fascinating, and I think that's a really great point. I've gotten frustrated, too, sometimes with Fauci. I have, and others as well, that have seemingly contradicted one another or themselves, July 10th versus, I don't know, March 10th, for example. But it's because things are changing in real time. And we're used to our medical community knowing so much about diseases and illnesses that they have, like I said, an encyclopedia of information they can just present to us. Here, here you go. Here, I'm sorry you've been uh, diagnosed with this particular disease. Here is decades and decades worth of research on this that will help you through it. We don't have that now. We don't. That set of encyclopedias is being written right now in real time. Scott Warris in for Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Scott Warris. 
Red Tails, Warriors, Hogs, Generals, Senators, Red Hawks. Do you know what those are? Those are the potential options. I mean, and I don't know if those are the official options or not, but they are presumably, um, perhaps, we're wondering, we're guessing, skeptically speaking, the new nickname for Washington's professional football team. Hmm. Warriors. How can you have warriors? Marquette. There are other types of warriors, I mind you. Um, But Red Tails... That has uh, um, a reference to the Tuskegee Airmen. Hogs, which was the nickname for the defensive line during their glory years. I like generals. Now, I saw somewhere that the Harlem Globetrotters are willing to release the name Washington Generals. Uh, to the uh, the football team because of course it's the you know the Globetrotters have been beaten up on the Generals forever. I love Senators. I like that. Red Hawks also good. Washington Senators used to be the name of the baseball team in Washington. I don't know, um, Jordan. Do you have any particular preference? Here, let me give it to you again. If the I don't know that the, this is official. Um, but Warriors, Red Tails, Hogs, Generals, Senators, Red Hawks. See, for me, I don't have one in particular, per se, but I have... Whenever you say the names, I think of like what the logo would look like. Like, if you called mm. them the Senators, what would the Senators logo look like? Uh, a guy in a suit? <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, and, you know, they, they have said they would like to find a way to still honor the Native American um, history there in the greater Washington area. They're going to keep the color scheme, that gold and, would you say gold and burgundy, or maroon, whatever the official color is. They're going to keep that color scheme. I don't know. I, I, I like all these, to be honest with you. Uh, warriors, red tails, ho- well, hogs. It's not going to be hogs. <laughs> and, and the logo's just going to be a snout. <laughs> Generals, Senators, Red Hawks. I don't know. We'll see. I can't get that amped up over it. I, I can't get that that uh, jazzed over it. There was a point in time where I was very, no, oh, don't change it, but I'm not a fan of that team. I, I don't have no allegiance to that organization. It's a team nickname. If the owner changes it, whether he's been pressured into it or otherwise, fine. It's okay. It's not a big deal. We have bigger fish to fry. Hey, speaking of fandom, I do have a question. Let me, 855-616-1620, Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I have a question about fandom. And, you know, as we're watching, the Bucks are now down in Orlando. They've made it safe and sound. The Brewers are practicing as we speak, getting ready. By the way, the Bucks, three weeks from today, the season starts for them. Brewers in just a couple of weeks. Will you, and here's a question that I'm thinking about as well. Will you treat the players differently this year? 
Now, here's what I mean by that. When you consider what they are going through, will you understand that the situation, I should say, that the players are putting themselves in this season, will that alter how you view it? Now, look, I'm like a lot of you. If I'm watching a football game, you get upset at the player. If you're watching the baseball game, man, he struck out again. What is wrong with you? Hit the ball. Get him out of there. He's terrible. Will we as fans be more patient and understanding of players' struggles, if not altogether on-field, on-court mistakes? Will we be more, would you say, mindful of their mental state? Think about that. I think we as fans... And whether it's the fantasy sports impact, we kind of see them as um, uh, pieces on a game board. We rarely, and I'm with you, we rarely remember or, or consider that these are human beings down there. These are human beings. You know, I, I'm reminded of a story uh, when Prince Fielder, uh, as I have learned, when Prince Fielder, went and played with the Texas Rangers. I don't know if it was his first year or his second year after leaving the Brewers. And he got off to just a really bad start, just a really horrendous start, um, a very unfielder-like performance. And it may, it may have been the start, or maybe it was the whole season. At any rate, after the year was over, he disclosed that he was going through some personal issues. I, I believe it was a divorce. Don't quote me on that. And they had young kids and so that was weighing on his mind. And it served to me as a reminder that, oh, that's right. These men and women, these athletes, they're pe- athletes are people too. But they, just like you and I, take issues to work with us, which we probably shouldn't do. You have a good day, you have a bad day, you have an argument with your spouse before you leave, you're in a bad mood, it affects your day at the office, you're not as productive, whatever it might be. The same can be said for athletes. Well, here's what I'm I'm wondering, because I, I just it, been thinking about this the last couple of days. Considering what players right now, considering what players are going through mentally, their mental state to play their respective sport. Will you take that into consideration this year especially, baseball, football, basketball, hockey, whatever your sport is, when you, when we as fans view their performance and look to criticize and, oh, man, another holding penalty. What is wrong? He's horrible. He's terrible. Man, this pitcher... This guy cannot get anybody out. I don't know why they keep using him in this situation. He's terrible. He's horrible. I think in some ways it's a reality check for fans. And maybe it's an opportunity to be reminded that, yeah, these guys, these gals, these are men and women that are in some ways under a lot of pressure and stress to perform in a way beyond what is normally asked. I mean, especially for baseball, when you're not even in a hopefully safe bubble. You're just, you're coming, you're going, you're getting tested. Your health is on your mind. 
our health is on all our minds, right? I'm sure there's plenty of you that get a little stressed out maybe or a little nervous, a little, ang- a little anxious, some anxiety when we, you got to go to the store or run some errands and, oh, I'm going to be in a packed department store, a grocery store, whatever it might be. Well, I mean, these players have this on their mind as well. I, I don't know. It's it's something that I think I'm going to have to remind myself over the next several months to maybe, hey, as a fan, just cool it a little bit. I want you to win. I want them to win as much as anybody. But maybe this year, if we were ever going to have a year as a fan for for just, you know, keep the foot off the gas a little bit when it comes to the <laughs> the, the criticism and the, he's horrible. Maybe this is the year to just let's back off and just enjoy enjoy sports on a on a different plane. 855-616-1620 Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What do you think of that? Am I way off base? Of course you are. You're a moron. Or not. Your calls, if you're on the line, hang on, we'll get to you in just 2 minutes. Your texts as well. 855-616-1620. There was a theme to some of the responses on the text line. 920, poor babies, why don't they go get an essential job in the public? 262, I could could care less about millionaire athletes. Well, you mean I couldn't care less, but I know your point. Hmm. 262, the pressure of making millions of dollars per game for most. They really have a hard life. For me, athletes are nothing more than entertainers for me. The money has nothing to do with it. It doesn't. And I know I know, many of you are envious and jealous of multi-million dollar athletes. I am too. I believe that is what is at the root of why we... There are millionaires and billionaires playing games. The money has nothing to do with it. They're human beings. They're stressed just like you and I are stressed. They get nervous just like you and I get nervous. If their spouse is sick, you take that to work with you in terms of your mental state just like you or I would. If you're working with other people and maybe you're somebody in your house or a parent or a grandparent is, you know, susceptible to this virus, you wonder, oh man. I, I, I hope I'm not a carrier. I mean, look, I'm just bringing up the points that when these guys take the field, there's going to be a lot more going on between the ears than normal. They're asking to risk their health in a much more stark way in some ways maybe more seriously depending on the sport than normal the normal risk to their health by playing their their sport and so from a fan standpoint are you going to go easier on them this year that's really my general question are you going to go easier on them this year or not knowing they're playing under a a certain degree of duress 855-616-1620 to the phones sheboygan it is uh andrew hey andrew good afternoon Hello, can you hear me? Loud and clear. Go at it, buddy. Awesome. Um, yes, um, I want to bring up the point about the human beings 
that work at Walmart or Pick and Save or McDonald's or wherever that are working their tail ends off to provide for us, to make our lives as normal as possible, and they're putting themselves at, a, at an increased risk with no additional reward besides perhaps a dollar an hour. Let's talk about those human beings. Let's talk about the essential workers. Why are we wasting our time on basketball players? I agree completely. Those people are much more essential, and those people are very important. Thanks for the call, Andrew. I don't really disagree. It's just, I'm just talking about sports right now. But yeah, I mean, Walmart workers, grocery store clerks, healthcare workers on the front lines, absolutely. I, I'm not really having that debate. I'm just talking in the sports realm right now. Okay. Dave in Appleton. Hi, Dave. Good afternoon. Hello, sir. Now, first off, I just want to—I want to let you know I would never call you a moron. You know, <laughs> you'd call me something especially worse, not, especially, <laughs> especially not on the air. But be uh. that as it may, yeah, I don't care what they're going through because you talk. Say, let's not talk about the money, but the money is part of it. That's one big worry they don't have to have. I also am an essential worker. I've been working out here every day since all this started, and my responsibility is do your job, do it the right way. We don't care what's going on. Get your job done. And when I, if I had the situation where I had $5 million from my contract from last year laying around, that would be one less thing I'd have to worry about. I'm so sick of these Hollywood stars, oh, I'm under quarantine here in my 30,000-square-foot house with four maids and four nannies and a cook and a guy who cleans the pool. Dave, 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 let me bring you back to my initial question. When you're watching sports this year, baseball, basketball, whatever it might be, you, you will be as... Hardcore a fan as always, just in terms of, you know, the, the silly things we do during a game. You're horrible. Kick the ball. Exactly. Take the pitch. All that stuff. Okay. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. I appreciate exactly. it, Dave. Exactly. All right. Very good. Very good. I, okay. I, I, again, the money. The money will not alleviate mental stress when it comes to health. I mean, if you were to ask these guys that are getting paid so much, so much more than we are, and you would ask, hey, you're making X million dollars this year, so are you any less nervous going out here? Are you any less concerned about catching the virus or spreading it? I don't think that really plays a role. I mean, yeah, they are very blessed to be in a position to make that money and still be employed. Absolutely. But... Does that really alleviate the anxiety that comes with being in a position to potentially contract the virus? I don't know. It'll be interesting. We'll, we'll find out. We will find out. You know, we're going to find, you know, who's going to find out? We're going to find out on Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Pauley. We're going to find out, uh, during, uh, the Bucks post game show with Justin Garcia <laughs> when the Bucks start winning and losing and the Brewers the same and hopefully the Pat, I mean, We'll find out. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not so naive as to think that we're not going to get the calls and whatnot and people going, he's horrible, he's terrible. But I would just say this. Just give me this. When you are watching athletes perform under the duress of a pandemic, 
just at least for just a fleeting moment, fleeting moment, allow yourself to remember that they are indeed human beings. There is a, a regular person under that helmet, in that jersey, on that field. Back in a moment. I was able to uh, get through the texts that, you know, a lot of people get hung up on the money thing. And I know that that is difficult to put that aside. I understand that. Look, I'm jealous and envious of, of a paycheck like that, too. And I again, that that's why we react as we do. Um, 920 says, uh, I will be paying more attention to how the stress and other worries affect their performance, but not necessarily be more critical of athletes uh, this season. 262, while everyone is under stress and expected to do their job, professional athletes are expected to perform like the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Some people are, you know, disagreeing that maybe there's not as big a risk as um, as I think and as many other people think. I don't know. We'll find out. Time will tell. Time will tell. Speaking of sports, the Brewers are almost back themselves. Mentioned they're practicing right now at Miller Park. And we have one more Brewers Classic on tap to bring you. That will be next Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. We will turn things back to 2018 when the Brewers and the Reds squared off in a game that featured 25 runs and that included the very first cycle of Christian Yelich's blossoming career. We are one week closer to live Brewers baseball. In fact... The opener, two weeks from today, right? 24th? So Wednesday night. One more Brewers Classic for you. And it's sponsored by Dave Drakamp Heating, Boucher Automotive, Prevea, Badger Mutual, Chevrolet, and West Bend Insurance. I found this list. It is the list of... Here, Jordan, you play along here. The top 100 Google search queries in the U.S., so far this year. So far this year. Now, not surprisingly, it's almost entirely dominated by branded searches. But um, this company has elected to just leave the list as it is. So you can see, see the full picture. The top 50 Google searches in the U.S. through July 10th of 2020. Would you like to... I guess just the top 10 is, I guess, somewhat interesting. Would you like to try the top 10? How many of the 10, top 10, can you name? If you want to play along, uh, text in your guest to 855-616-1620. All right, the top 10 Google searches in the U.S. so far in 2020. How to tie a tie. (laughs) No. That is not on the list. That is not on the list. I, I will give you, I'll give you number 10. Number 10 is Yahoo Mail. Yahoo Mail is the 10th most Google search. Number 9, Walmart. 
Like you just you get you open up Google and you just type something in the search engine. So if that helps you at okay, all, having kinda, that mindset. Yes. Oh, right. Yeah, it's, it's right. that type of uh, tone. So Yahoo Mail is ten. By the way, um, I still have a Yahoo email account. It's yeah, a lot my, of people do. Do they? I think so. Yeah, I I've feel like I'm lot. one of the few yet. One, one of the few. Um, it is. It's near and dear to my heart because it's my first. It, it's still my first original email account. It's at least 20, 21, 22 years old now that I've had it. But I feel as if I've, you know, publicized that email to people. And it, it's it's like when you move and you have an address change. And it's you think, oh, I got to go through the, all the pain of telling everybody my new address. I feel the same way with my email address. But I digress. Number 10, Yahoo Mail. Number 9, Walmart. Uh, let's quickly on the text line here. Roger and Richfield guessing COVID. No. Tom and West Allis guessing Zoom meeting. No. Uh, 414 texter says, what is my IP? No. 414 texter says, how to make a mask? No. Um, again, the, the, the clue I gave was the list is almost entirely dominated by branded searches. So um, if you want to guess somebody okay like somebody's guessing amazon yes 262 texter amazon is the third most googled search query this year no to the 414 texter guessing sex sex is not <laughs> uh the top 10 i'm sorry uh yep Am- andrew you got it amazon again uh 262 saying menards no all right you you guys keep shooting me some guesses jordan you want to have another crack at so it. So, like here. you said, it's a specific brand. It's not a person. Amazon is number three. Number nine is Walmart. Number ten is Yahoo Mail. Costco. Co- no, Costco. Costco. Why would Costco be a top ten Google search in the entire United States? Uh, let's see. Um, yeah, a lot of people guessing Amazon. Come on, nobody. Nobody can guess the number one. Bill in Burlington guessing Butterball Turkey. <laughs> Bill, what is going on there? Um, anybody? Number 10, Yahoo Mail. Number 9, Walmart. Number 8, just strictly Yahoo. Why would you just type Yahoo in the search, you know, in the in the um, the address? Anyway. Uh, number 7, eBay. That still exists. Number 6, the word weather. I've done that. You need a forecast real quick here at your computer. Type weather. I think um, Weather Channel website comes up. Number five. Okay, this is somebody needs to explain this one to me. Yes, 920. You got it. A few of you on the 920 got it. The fifth most Google search query in the U.S. this year is, in fact, the word Google. <laughs> Why? What? Number four, Gmail. Number three, Amazon. Number two, the top two Google search queries in the United States so far in 2020. I'll take a break. Let's see if any of you can guess. 855-616-1620. There's a lot of creativity out there. Pinterest, somebody's asking. Pinterest. Pinterest is 45th. Uh, let's see. Other people guessing Target. Target is 31. Kohl's actually is on the list. Kohl's. 
Coles is 57. Mm-hmm. Yeah, few of you have now gotten this. The top two Google searches in the U.S. and I'll add it also in the world in 2020. Number two is YouTube. Yeah, YouTube. And the number one query on Google this year is Facebook. Facebook. Yes, yes. How could you not know? Facebook in descending order. Facebook, YouTube, Amazon, Gmail, Google, Googling Google, Weather, eBay, Yahoo, Walmart, Yahoo Mail. Hmm. There you have it. Yeah, a lot of you are sending porn and other things like that as a search. I'm looking here. I don't... Yeah, I I, mm, didn't make the list this year. It's not to say that the industry is not thriving right now. Just saying it did not make the, did not make the list of, of top 100. Coming up in 15 minutes, don't forget, I want you to start thinking now. A little Friday frivolity. Yeah, Jordan reminds me, we did do this a bunch of months ago, I think back in the winter time or so. But I was reminded of it last night because I watched one of the shows that for me falls under this classification. And, and... um. It's just fun to do on a Friday afternoon. The television show, the program you watch that, admit it, you may be a little embarrassed to say you watch. Maybe you're a little shy about it. Maybe you're a little sheepish going, yeah, don't tell anybody. Don't tell them I'm watching this show. I'd hate for the guys down at the down at the bar to hear that I'm watching this particular program. That's all right, because we are all friends, because we are all family here on a Friday afternoon. That's what we'll be doing after 2 o'clock. Did you see, everybody knows who J.J. Watt is. Local kid made good. J.J. Watt. Did you see what J.J. Watt said? By by the way, is J.J. Watt everywhere or is it just me? Do do you not feel like J.J. Watt is, he's in, him and his brothers and the whole family, they've got the Subway commercial ads running right now, right? I think he's hosting a show, one of those goofy nighttime network Wild, crazy, physical challenge, feats of strength show where you have to, you know, climb a rock wall, jump over a, a waterfall, and then fight your way through different, an obstacle course type situation. He's, he's hosting that, isn't he? Anyway, I feel like J.J. Watt is everywhere. Plus, there's usually a camera catching him doing something good. You ever notice that? Hmm. Uh, but anyway, J.J. Watt says... I just passed this on because we were just talking about sports earlier in the hour. He has no interest in playing football while wearing a face shield. Hmm. The various issues on which the NFL and the Players Association continue to haggle include whether, uh, whether and to what extent the use of full face shields will be made mandatory. I talked about this some time ago. The NFL is, is, is having different uh, variations of face shields, masks, to try and stop the the spread of of potentially the the droplets. We're talking droplets here. J.J. Watt says he has no interest in wearing a full face shield because he determined long ago he has no interest in wearing half of a face shield. He said uh, to NBC Sports, my second year in the league, I thought it'd be cool. Said I put a visor on my helmet. I was like, it looks so cool, I want to put a visor on. I had it on for about three periods of practice, and I said, 
take this sucker off. I'm going to die out here. So now you're going to put something around my mouth. You can keep that. If that comes into play, I don't think you're going to see me on the field. Really? Really? Uh, as NBC Sports points out, that is one of the primary disconnects between practices aimed at keeping players safe and the realities of playing football. It won't be football if players cannot play it as comfortably as possible, which illustrates how difficult it'll be to strike the balance between maximum virus protection and maximum football capacity. Interesting. I don't know. Now, you don't feel like J.J. Watt is everywhere? I feel like I can't turn on the TV and he's not on somewhere. He's doing a commercial. He's hosting a show. It's something. There are other people like that, too, in society. Do you remember? I was thinking of this earlier. There are certain points in our, in our time when there's a, there's a celebrity. Maybe it's an athlete. Maybe it's somebody from Hollywood. And I just feel like they're everywhere. Um, there was a time. Remember when the Extreme Makeover Home Edition show was, I mean, it was hot rocking. It was on Sunday nights on ABC. Move that bus. And they'd move. I mean, that was a hot show for a couple of years. Remember the host of that show? You remember that? You, you know his name? I know his first name is Ty. Ty Pennington. Ty Pennington, and he was stinking everywhere. I mean, you couldn't turn on a show or a commercial, and Ty Pennington was everywhere. And that lasts for a while. You just get Ty Pennington thrown at you all over the place. Then, then we entered the Ryan Seacrest era. And to some extent, he is still everywhere. He's hosting, um, obviously... Um, the New Year's Day celebration, Yes, right? yes, he's on New Year's Day. He's on commercials. Do you know he's the driving force behind the Kardashians? Did you know that? He is the guy that we need to blame for the Kardashians. <laughs> he's the executive producer. He's been the mastermind behind the Kardashian uh, television reality show that has obviously brought them infamy beyond their wildest dreams. He's, he does Regis and Kelly. You know, Ryan and Kelly, but he's Regis. He does that show. He's still doing American Idol. I, I, I read somewhere that that show is finally now, this is the last year for the American Idol. Put a nail in the car. It's finally done. I think it's over there. He has a, a syndicated um, Sirius XM radio show. He is everywhere. Um, like I said, there are athletes as well. You know an athlete that is everywhere right now? And I like him. I find him jovial. I enjoy the character of Shaquille O'Neal, but let's be honest, one minute he's on the NBA TNT doing his basketball stuff, then they go to commercial, and he's riding in a car with the general trying to sell insurance, and then they go to another commercial, and he's the face and the voice of Papa John's right now, so now he's selling Papa John's, then you go to another commercial, and he's selling Icy Hot that's the one you were going to bring up, right? Yeah. That was the one. I mean, Shaquille, Shaq, we love you. You're big. I think he has a reality show out there, too. He's he's very close to, what would you say, oversaturating the market. So I feel as if, be, I would just say, be careful, J.J. Watt. That's what reminded me of the story as well. Be careful. You don't want to oversaturate the market because because we as consumers, we as the public, the humble general public that we are, we we can we can get our fair share of celebrities and then 
we eat him up one day and you spit him out the next. But I, I would just throw that out there because I feel as if J.J. Watt is slowly saturating the market like a Ty Pennington did, like Ryan Seacrest. And I'm serious. Shaquille O'Neal, and he is, for whatever you think of him as a basketball player, and he was a great basketball player, so I don't know why you would think negatively of him in that respect, but he is a brilliant businessman. Don't get me wrong. Shaquille O'Neal has put together a remarkably brilliant post-basketball career, very lucrative post-basketball career. He's smart. He's savvy. He has found ways. He's also the he's also doing commercials for the uh, the door. I think it's the doorbell camera. Is it Ring? Is that the name of the product? I think you're right. Product? Yes, yeah. Ring. He's out there as well. So he's smart. He's making money. Capitalism is a beautiful thing, but he is everywhere. He is. Is there anybody else on the list? Anybody else right now? I'm trying to think. Is there any other celebrity that either now or at some point you've went like enough? Enough is enough. You're everywhere, and it's when they cross over from one genre to the next. Like if you're a sports person and you cross over the, I think that's when we start to realize, all right, they're saturating the market with their persona. So, I don't know. Look, the Watts. They do the Watts still live up in Pewaukee? I know JJ doesn't. I mean, are his parents still living up in Pewaukee, or have they moved? Okay, so maybe they're listening. This is an opportunity. Perhaps they'll pass this on. That's just my advice. And we're like, yeah. <laughs> Some guy on the radio trying to give J.J. Watt advice. Yeah, like he needs to do that. <laughs> All right. When we come back, we'll have the news. And then the 2 o'clock hour, we will leave Fridays, 2 o'clock hour. We will leave the pop culture corner to Mr. Wagner. He has full trademark privileges. He has copyrighted that, so I cannot infringe. I don't want to upset a former lawyer. I will not infringe on that, which means we will bring you Friday frivolity. Last night, after the night show, got home, and I started watching one of my, would you call them guilty pleasure shows? I don't know, but it, it's a program that I'll admit, I'm not telling everybody I'm watching, but when it's on, I get hooked. And that's what we're going to talk about after the 2 o'clock uh, news here. So, let's open it up. 855-616-1620 on the Acunin Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 855-616-1620. That television show that you watch, and you may be a little sheepish to admit that you watch. Maybe you're altogether embarrassed you watch it. If that's the if that's the case, give Jordan a fake name. That's fine. We can protect your your anonymity. But I'm willing to bet that if you're listening right now, there's a show, there's something you watch that. You know, admit it. It may not be the best program, but for some reason, there's something about it. I've got a few on my list. I watched one of them last night. I will share. Hopefully, you will as well. 855-616-1620. Light them up. We'll do that after the news on WTMJ. I'm Scott Warris. In for Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Scott Warris. Final hour on a Friday. Jeff is back on Monday. All right, normally this is pop culture corner time. I will not infringe. And so we will just simply call it Friday Frivolity. Last night, 
I do the night show, not tonight, but uh, till 9 o'clock. So when you get home, and many of you work late hours, you get home, you're not ready to go to bed right away. You're still up. Your adrenaline is going. You're just you're awake. You're not in a position to go to bed. So I flip on, on television, and I come across a program that I admit I enjoy when I find it. I admit that, although a little bit sheepishly. It is called Dr. Pimple Popper. Have you seen Dr. Pimple Popper? Have you seen Dr. Pimple Popper? Her name is Sandra Lee. So, anyway, that's my question at 855-616-1620. Well, not have you seen Dr. Ooh, Pimple Popper. That is so gross. Sandra Lee is the doctor, and she helps people with um, with cysts, with, I mean, it's, I don't necessarily like the name Pimple Popper because it seems to, it, it makes light of something that for some people, you know, is a life-changing procedure. But she will pop cysts. She will cut open, um, you know, if you've got a, a lady last night had this um, this uh, bulge on her back. Like a and, fat pocket. Yeah. I, I'm forgetting the, the mm-hmm, but- scientific medical term. But right, right. It's It's something that does not necessitate major surgery. It's... You know, it's a little bump on your forehead, and the guy says, "I've had this thing for for ten years." There's a there was a grandma. I'm looking at the picture here. There was a grandma that had a blackhead uh, right next to her right ear. Uh, she said, "I had it, a, a massive 55 year old blackhead." Oh my gosh! And uh, Doctor Pimple oh, that's Popper, so shocking, pop that thing. Up. Anyway, my point is this: I can't get enough of this. If I come across <laughs> no. a, it, it is a remote drop. Yeah. program and i get it i you know i'm admitting it here because we're all friends we all get along but dr pimple popper i have a few others as well is one of those shows that i watch that i go all right you know what uh, yeah i if i find it i like it i watch it so what is yours well, it's kind of like mindless out. television i yeah. well i hate to admit this no that's i exactly consider it. myself a uh you know intelligent woman but the bachelor or bachelorette i tend to watch those those are so bad <laughs> and i find myself yelling at the tv but at the end of the day, like you said, I want something I don't have to really think about. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. The Bachelor or Bachelorette is something you don't have to really think about when you're watching. See, so I think there is a bit of a, a, a gender divide. I, I think for a female to say, oh, man, I watched The Bachelor Bachelorette. There's a certain belief that well, women are more women are watching that than guys anyway. So I, well, I, I don't, don't know, know about that. No, go- no, I don't know. Well, you're right because I do have a text from the eight four seven that says what my wife got me hooked on the yes. Bachelor and Bachelorette. <laughs> he so says bad. all all my male friends make fun of me <laughs> because you have to watch it because your wife or girlfriend's watching it. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless you go into another room, but that wouldn't be okay. very fun. Yeah, so that's kind of mine. All right. Yeah, you know, I, I do read People Magazine if I really want to like de-stress. People.com, People Magazine. They sometimes they have good stories. Sometimes are they legit stories? Yeah, for the most part, they're legit, but they're more like human in- interest. Um, you know, celebrity stuff. But all right, yeah, okay. You got some good. Well, thanks for being list. open about that. That's I. I, I what? That's <laughs> gross. The pimple popper. Oh no, yeah. But I, you know have, what? Have you seen it? There, yeah, I have. Okay. Well, no, no, no. I haven't seen the show. It pops up on my Facebook sometimes, mm, like the videos. Up. Yeah, I know, right? Like the videos. I'm like, ugh. Like, what's that? I don't know. I don't have the show though. And watch the show. when she is squeezing some Oof. of these different, um, you find it very satisfying. Yeah, there's something about watching like it's it. It's getting it out. 
Yes, and and it's different consistencies. She has a knack for describing it like food. So she's oh. squeezing something out, going, "Oh, oh this is ve- or... this is very much like yes, like oh. che- cottage cheese." Or e- this one is more cheese. like uh, uh, oatmeal. Oh, oh my <laughs> gosh! I think I just oh wow. So, Doctor Pimple Popper oh. is the show that I will that sheepishly note. admit. Yes, <laughs> thank you, Melissa. So, what is yours? Eight five five six one. Melissa now dry heaving as she leaves the studio. No, really, it looked like oatmeal and cottage cheese. <laughs> she's, she's not well. Okay, 855-616-1620. Oh, I got some pimple popper love, 920. Love pimple popper. It's a guilty pleasure. How do they let these things go so long? Exactly. Another texter, Dr. Pimple Popper. Yes, I won't tell anyone. <laughs> What's yours? Jordan lines up the calls. The text machine is heating up to the phones when we come back. I just want to say I appreciate the pimple popper love on the text line. 414 says toddlers and tiaras. I admit, well, I don't, I'm not a real, I have seen that. I mean, what are those moms doing? Anyway, 414 South Park. I could never get into South Park. I'm not against, you know, um, animated television series with adult humor. I'm a big fan of Family Guy. I'm not a big Simpsons guy anymore, but I was, you know, when I was younger. So I'm not averse to that, but I, I, I never got into South Park. I think it's the animation. That style of animation, for some reason, just I can't... Get to it. 920 Texter says, "Go, uh, Dave in Lake Mills specifically, ghost adventures. Ghost adventures. See, the problem with ghost adventures, for example, is that I feel as if there was an earth-shattering, amazing discovery of a ghost. It would make like national news. You know, five people killed in abandoned warehouse when spirit sweeps through and takes their souls. And so everything I see, I, I, I'm very skeptical as to if it's just manufactured for the, for the entertainment factor. But nonetheless, Dave, duly noted ghost adventures. So that is the question I'm asking at 855-616-1620. The television show you watch that uh, you may be a little sheepish to admit, but I'm asking you to admit it. Gianni in Montello. Hi, Gianni. You're on WTMJ. Hey, welcome back, Scott. Good to hear your voice uh, this time of day. Hey, listen, um, I hope the guys down at the loading dock are listening to this, uh, particularly Stretch Cunningham and my neighbor George Jefferson and my friend uh, Barney Hefner. But listen, I've got to say, because Beatrice Arthur and Betty White, the Golden Girls, uh, and I hope... Thank you for being a friend. This one's for you, Gianni. Okay, do you blame me? <laughs> there you go, there you go. Now, what is it about Turn Golden... There you go. Baby, turn it up, turn it up. No, Gianni... <laughs> What is it about that show that that has drawn you in? 
Uh, I, I think it, it is comedy, and yes. it, the chemistry. Uh, Betty White, uh, you know, uh, Rue uh, McLaughlin, um, McClanahan, you know, Beatrice. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it works so well. It does. I, I mean, they're they're kind of in in the setting there, and um, you know, it went on for a number of years, and 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 I think that uh, you know they they work together so well. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's one of the greatest television shows. And particularly for a particular age group, not so much, um, you know, for the young folks, they right. don't get it. But, you know, if you're if you're above, uh, you know, if you're above age 60 um, or, you know. Oh, no. Now, see, you, see here's the gonna... thing, Gianni. I, I don't think you have to be above age 60. I remember watching that show while my grandma watched it. And if you're and right. I was a kid. So you, you miss. Right. And it's probably a good thing that younger kids, if you watch that show, like. I missed a lot of that humor because it's all over my head. And like I said, probably a good thing. But as you get older, you realize some of the joke, some of the writing was just so, I would call it sharp. It was just sharp, especially later on in the series. As you can tell, I've watched my fair share of episodes over the years. The writing was just so, so smartly done that a lot of those jokes, the characters, it was, it was just brilliant on a lot of levels. But we, we do. Uh, listen, Scott. Here's the question: Do we have something like that today? Uh, I mean, is there? Is there? Is there? Can, can you can you name something that's comparable? That 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 it, it, the writing mm-hmm. is is comparable? I'd have to think. You know, admittedly, nothing jo- jumps off the off the page to me. Um, you know, I I have I've enjoyed great comedy writing. Golden Girls, um, you know, you can still watch it in reruns, obviously, which kind of helps. Uh, Everybody Loves Raymond. I think the writing on that show was great okay, and smart right, and funny. Right. I, I love Seinfeld. Right. I know people love and hate Seinfeld. The Office appealed to me. So there are shows. Uh, I think, um, uh, uh, what, what's the family? The one that just closed after 10 years. Oh, Modern Family. Modern Family. I think Modern Family. I was late to the Modern Family uh, hoopla, as it were, and now in reruns right. you get to watch it. I think some of the writing there was good, but that's a good one to start. Thanks, Gianni. I won't tell the guys uh, what you said either. 855-616-1620, Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Mike, on the South Side, the television show you watch that you're a little uh, sheepish to admit. Well, I'm not sheepish. Uh, I've been watching for 10 years. The Kardashians... I probably contributed to the two billion dollars they have, <laughs> and <laughs> uh, Ryan Seacrest, yeah, and Shaq, get that money when you can. No, what? Hey. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh no, I'm 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 all for you. Like I said, look, going back yeah. to our la- it's hey, it's capitalism. I'm just saying as a consumer, I'm, don't I'm, hang up because I got one more comment. Okay, real quick, Mike, go for it. Watch a Johnny Carson documentary. Hmm. He had so much money. He gave so much money to charity. Mm-hmm. Four ex-wives. <laughs> These Kardashians. Thank you, Mike. They I, appreci- act like they- <laughs> I appreciate okay. it, Mike. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for the call. Um, <laughs> I was going there for a second. Kardashians. And he wasn't too embarrassed to admit it. 855-616-1620. Let's keep it going. Back in two minutes.
I have a text here on the super secret text line from WTMJ's very own Tony Bedock, who is off today, but is listening and would like to put a vote in for Vanderpump Rules. Vanderpump Rules. Uh, apparently that's on Bravo. I've heard of it. I've never watched. He says it's trashy to the max, but I love the chaos. That sounds like tone. That sounds like Tony Bedock. 855-616-1620. Leanne and Racine says it's ancient aliens. Yeah, I know it's foolish, but no, I can't help myself. I tried to watch that and I couldn't get hooked. I tried though. 414, I'm embarrassed to admit watching Trailer Park Boys. Mark from Bristol. Absolutely ashamed to admit I'm hooked on 90 Day Fiance. <sighs> Hi, my name is Scott Warris, and I too am hooked on 90 Day Fiance. I am! I am! I, 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 there's something about watching other people struggle with <laughs> their relationships that is very soothing to me. Yeah, I'm with you, Mark. You're not alone, buddy. When are we going to have that viewing party? All right, back, back to the phones. James on WTMJ. Hi, James. How you doing, Scott? Pretty good, buddy. What's the show you watch that you're a little sheepish to admit? Well, I, you ever uh, see Enemy of the State, uh, the, the movie with uh, Will Smith? Sure, from back around, uh, what, 98, 99, Will yeah, Smith well, and Gene Hackman. Yeah, they got a thing that's something similar to that uh, sci-fi. It's called Person of Interest. Maybe you've seen it. Maybe you haven't. It's on WGN. Hmm. And uh, the one... Uh, person on there, the cop that's on there, looks just like Steve Scafidi. <laughs> well, now oh. I... Now, thank you, James. Now he's I, his double, hey, he's his double. He acts like him. He sounds like him. <laughs> Doppelganger. Doppelganger. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look for it on WGN. Uh, thanks, James. Wow. Jordan, have you seen that? you got to make a... You you know what here you got to do something about I have to this. Go find out. I've got to watch that show now. You have to look up this character during the news, and we have to see if this is indeed Scafidi's doppelganger, like James says. Uh, let's uh, squeeze in Daniel East Side. Daniel, the show you watch that maybe you're a little embarrassed to admit. Three's Company, and you probably would be over your head, but yeah, I enjoy that show. No, I know I've I've watched Three's Company. Um, I have. Oh, okay. Um, were you a were you a Mr. Furley guy or the Ropers? Who were better managers of the property, in your opinion? Furley. <laughs> Thanks, Daniel. All right, 855-616-1620. Kent in Pewaukee. Hi, Kent. What's the show you watch that uh, you'll hey, sheepishly hey. admit? Hey, Scott, uh, it's on YouTube, and for some reason, it's like Dr. Pimple Popper. can't get enough. Uh, beaver Dam Destruction. And all it is is a guy going around with a little excavator tearing up Beaver Dam. No kidding. Wow. He up me every night because I fall asleep through it. <laughs> you know, you open up. Thanks for the call, Kent. Appreciate you listening and calling. Kent, you, you open up a... That's a whole other realm. I mean, if you just go to YouTube alone... You talk about some things you can watch, some shows, some series you can watch on YouTube that you might be a little embarrassed uh, to admit. Jeff in Germantown. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Scott. How's it going? I'm okay. Uh, this one's easy for me, uh, Finding Bigfoot. <laughs> now, I have... Oh, that's a good one, huh? I, I, I have watched an episode or two. Why? Why are you drawn to this? Oh, I, it just cracks me up. I mean... 
it's obvious they've been looking for years. There's never any any evidence of anything, but just just the characters on the on the show, the things they say. It's like, oh, this is uh, the coyotes are howling, so this is great Bigfoot territory. It's really squatchy here. It's it. it I I sit there and I laugh through the whole show, and my my 17 year old daughter thinks I'm crazy every time I'm watching it, but I love it. Not unlike some of the other ones, uh, like with the alien, uh, was it Ancient Aliens or um, the uh, Ghost Investigators, whatever the heck the name of that show was before. When it comes to finding Bigfoot, I think, you know what? If at some point they found Bigfoot, I have a feeling I'm going to hear about it on the news. So I pretty much know, because these shows are not live and they have been taped, that if they actually found Bigfoot at some point... I think we would know about it. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. Yeah. But but it is one of those where you watch and, and you go, how much of this is staged? How much of this is legit? If they find Bigfoot, would we not have heard about it by now? I think the fact that I know they're never going to find Bigfoot keeps me from getting roped in. But I understand the point he's making, and I've watched an episode or two. Any other ones on your list, Melissa, since we talked to you? I was thinking about that. Um, there was one called <laughs> um, Axemen. I used to watch that. That was the the Axemen, and like, I think they were in Alaska. They would go in the woods, and they would chop down. There were these like forest men where yes! they chop down the trees. They lived they off went... the land, right? Well, that's a different one. That's bush people. Bush people, yeah. No, this was literally, it was what they did for a living. They chopped down these oh. huge, huge trees in Alaska and then it might have been ice truck something or another too. Ice truckers. Ice truckers. That's another good yeah. one. So, yeah, I used to watch those too. But... You're right. I think you're right. It was yeah. men who worked in, 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 the, in the lumber and, in the industry, lumber industry yes. chopping down trees. <laughs> really dangerous. Which goes along with ice truck which mm-hmm. goes along with Gold Rush. Gold Rush. There's that genre of Alaskan careers. You ask someone that watches shows like that. Jeff Wagner watches shows like that. Why well, here in the studio? Here in the studio. Yeah. That's how you got here hooked. in the studio. I, that's true. That's, that's true. I was you, like, "What are you? Oh, yeah." Wagner hooked you on. <laughs> he did. X Men. All right, let's try to roll through the phones that we have left on the board here. Danny in West Dallas. Danny, the show that you admit are a little bit embarrassed to watch. Well, mine's a, an old one from the 80s. Uh, if you remember Jan Michael Vincent's mm-hmm. the show called Airwolf. Hmm. What was that about? It was, well, it was kind of like a night rider in the air. Oh. Uh, it was about this, this special helicopter that, uh, you know, had all the, all the bells and whistles on it, and it could go like, supersonic speeds and all that. So it had Dan Michael Vincent basically grimacing his way through it. Uh, he, he was like a low-rent Clint Eastwood. And then and then you had Ernest Borgnine as his helper, so there's the comedy relief. And wow. the show lasted for a good long time. God, I bought T-shirts for that show. I bought the, the DVDs when it came out. And... I bought the the model kit. You know, I was just gung ho for it back then. I still love the show, and like I said, it's it's so cheesy. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, there there is something about the thanks for the call, Danny. There's something about the cheese factor that just it draws you in. It's so bad, it's good. You had me at Night Rider in the Sky. I was a big fan of Night Rider as a kid. Okay, John in Hartford. 
Go ahead, John. Make your admission. Hey, don't fall off your seat when I say this, but Green Acres. <laughs> okay, so you you admit that uh, you love that show. What? Why? What is it about Green Acres? Uh, Eddie Elbert's a great actor. There he was, and uh, he just plays a straight guy, and he's surrounded by a bunch of goofballs, and it's stupid humor, and I love stupid humor. <laughs> Well, John, so, you're not I alone. Need, I need my humor fix before I go to bed. So That's good. That's good stuff. You're not alone. Somebody just texted in on the 262. Green Acres. So there's a couple of votes coming in for Green Acres. That's good. Mike in Appleton. Hi, Mike. Hey, guys. How you doing today? I'm okay. What's the show for you that you're a little embarrassed to admit you love? I, I don't have anything that I'm willing to admit that I'm embarrassed about, but uh, I got a snitch on my wife. Now, we're talking about, you know, somebody who loves pink, frilly, girly, stuff like that. Okay. She has a guilty pleasure for the Red Green Show. <laughs> so you're squealing on your wife here. You're, you're, you're disclosing oh, her secret. <laughs> Why? Yes, I am, totally. Why do you think oh, she um, likes it? I, I, well, she's, I don't know. She's lived for a portion of her life in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. I don't know if it harks back to that, but it... I think she she sees an awful lot of me in it. I mean, I watched it when I was growing up, and uh, while it's not on the air anymore, every single episode is on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve Smith, the guy who played Red Green, actually put every episode on YouTube for free. Oh wow! So I, I, I don't know why she loves it, but she loves it. All right. I, I think she needed to see. I think she needed to see the source of where all these silly things came from. Maybe. All right, Mike. Thanks. We'll put a vote down for the Red Green Show. One more call here. It's something that Melissa and I were talking about. Debbie in Brookfield, the show, admit it, you love. Yeah. Well, I've I watched Ice Road Truckers. It's still on on a channel called Quest, oh. and it's on Over the Air. But I like another show that's on Quest. It's called Shipping Wars. Oh, yes. It's these guys that bid on taking stupid things across country. And I just love that show. I do, too, to Shipping Wars. I, I, and I, I have tried to watch Storage Wars, where they bid on the storage units, and then they hope that whatever's inside pays off for them. I find that to just be boring. It, th- there's, no, there's no work to it. You just stand, you look, you bid. At least with Storage Wars... There's something about the logistical challenges of getting from A to B with what you're right, these odd objects and loads that appeals to I've me too. Never seen, I've never seen so many flat tires in my life. <laughs> Who's your favorite uh, 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 shipping wars driver? Do you have one? Um, I think Mark. Yep. I just can't stand Roy, but I can't stand him in a way that I have to keep watching him. Did you know Roy passed away? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It it, it was during the. I don't know if they're still making new episodes of the series, but be, I don't. But between so. one season and the next, towards the end of the series, it's on in reruns now. Uh, he had a yep. he had a heart attack and he passed away. And then I don't know if that's his daughter or somebody took his spot. But thanks for the call, Debbie. You've got one. All right, let me just rattle through these texts quickly here. Uh, my college kids introduced me to the Netflix show Outer Banks, teenage soap opera. Another vote from the 262 for Below Deck and Project Runway. Jeff in Fox Point, Miami Vice. Laura from Vegas, again, a vote for Hoarders. Uh, let's see here, another vote for Ice Road Truckers. 
Hogan's Heroes from the 847. 414 says, I will forever be hooked on ghost adventures. It's ridiculously fake, but I cannot stop watching. Hmm. Uh, let's see. Uh, yes, 262 says, if you like 90 Day Fiancé, there's another one called Married at First Sight. I've seen that one, too. The Curse of Oak Island, which I watched. I got hooked on The Curse of Oak Island for a couple seasons, and then I just got annoyed because it seemed like the treasure just was never there. I got, I grew impatient with the, the, the guys trying to find the treasure there on Oak Island. A lot of good stuff, a lot of good votes. A lot of good texts. I appreciate everybody for weighing in and getting that off your chest. Making your little secret favorite show now very much more public knowledge, shall we say. When we come back, oh, you better believe I'm going to make time. Because when we come back, I've got a three-pack of stories that I find interesting, and I hope you will as well. Including a stolen car driven by an Oregon man. Crashes into another stolen car. What? Yeah. That's tough to pull off. A lucky, lucky Australian woman wins the lottery. And I mean lucky. And big news from the world of horse racing. Wagner would love this. Big news from the world of horse racing. Dr. Fauci got his first win. When we come back, it'll be a Friday Wagner-less edition of... Great Scott! The Brewers are almost back, but first, we're going to bring you one more Brewers Classic. Wednesday night, 6 o'clock, Brewers-Reds from 2018 in a game that featured 25 runs and the very first cycle of Christian Yelich's blossoming career. Brewers Classic, sponsored by Dave Dracamp Heating, Boucher Automotive, Prevea, Badger Mutual, Chevrolet, and West Bend Insurance. Before I get out of here, you better believe... I make a little time for... Great Scott! A police chase in Oregon ended... Do you say Oregon or Oregon? I, I say Oregon. 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 third option. Oh, great. Well, whichever one you like, it's that state. A police chase ended there. Get this. When a driver fleeing authorities in a stolen car crashed into a woman driving another stolen car. Yeah. The debacle took place on Monday when police responded to a report of a stolen Toyota Land Cruiser driving through downtown Newburgh. A pursuit ensued, lasted for several blocks, until the driver crashed into another car near an intersection. After taking the man of the first car, after taking that driver into custody, they realized, hey, that second car... That was also reported stolen in an unrelated crime three weeks ago. The driver of that car was also found to be under the influence. So, yes, indeed. I mean, uh, got some quality policing there. You talk about solving two cases with one crash. Stolen car driven by one man crashes into stolen car driven by another woman. Two cases solved. Right. How many lottery tickets have you bought in your life, approximately? I'd say about four or five. Well, that's all. Not a lot. What if you bought one lottery ticket, the first lottery ticket you have ever purchased, and you won? That 
is what happened for a woman in Sydney, Australia, and she won $50 million, the first stinking lottery ticket she ever bought. She was on holidays when she bought the ticket, saying, you won't believe this. This is the first lottery ticket I've ever bought in my life, she told officials when she came forward. She said, I've never played Oz Lotto. That's the name of the game before. I walked past the news agency and thought it would be a bit of fun to enter, so I did. I can't believe it. I'm shaking. I'm shocked. So shocked. She was the only Division One lottery winner in a drawing on Tuesday. Hmm. Admit it. For, the, oh, for those of you who play the lottery and you've been playing the lottery for years, whether it's scratch-off or you go and you just buy a ticket all this time, all that money invested, maybe you've never won or if so, maybe just a few bucks. Admit it. Don't you hate to hear about somebody that lucky? Right, Scott! And last but not least, remember a few months ago when I told you that there is a racehorse out there, a two-year-old colt by the name of Fauci? He had his first race. When was that? Was that back in, uh, was that back in May? No, that was June 3rd. He finished second. In his career debut at New York's Belmont Park back on June 3rd, well, yesterday, the two-year-old Colt named Fauci was racing at Keeneland in Lexington, Kentucky, and guess what happened? There to the inside, Gypsy King tries to join that pair from third. Gap of three back to Rustler. United and Resolute is in fifth. Fauci, the leader at the eighth pole. Come on, Fauci! And here comes United Come and on. Resolute from the outside. Fauci with Come the on. lead. United and Resolute striding forward. But Fauci has the advantage. Yes. United and Resolute still second. Down to the line. Fauci to win it. Yes! How about that? Fauci with the win. He was a heavy favorite against 11 other horses. He ran in just under 59 seconds. If you picked Fauci to win, if you put a couple bucks down, $2 got you $4.20. But how about that? Fauci finishes first. No word on where Burks was. <laughs> and by the way, I'm still waiting for my Fauci and Burks bobblehead. I think they're supposed to come sometime here in July. Yeah, yeah. We made that order. But nonetheless, the racehorse Fauci, victorious. And that is a Friday Wagnerless show edition of Great Scott. Jeff Wagner will be back on Monday. I appreciate all of you for calling, texting, logging on, tuning in, listening. You found us on a Friday. I'll be back with you again tomorrow, Saturday afternoon, from 4 until 6. Hope you can uh, join me then.